I wish I could say that I was speaking as a an expert farmer or a gardener, <clears throat> but if you look at my garden right now, you wouldn't put much stock in that, so I won't speak as an expert on farming or gardening, um, but I will try to tell you some things that I feel like the Lord has laid on our heart today. I want to talk to you today about the parable of the sower, the seeds and the soil. Most of the time, this parable is referred to as the parable of the sower. But if you really read the, the story, you see that we're never even told who the sower is. And there's more said about the soil than there is the sower or the seed. So I guess if we were correct, technically, we would say it's the parable of the soil. And that's kind of what I want us to look at today. A parable is simply a story that's used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. Jesus had an incredible ability to take an everyday story, things that people could relate to, and he used them to teach profound spiritual truths. And they worked so well because people would go, oh, I know what he's talking about. And then he would take it and apply it to something spiritual. Today I want us to look at one of the parables that Jesus used. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and then verses 18 through 23. I know those are a lot of verses, but I feel like y'all can handle that. So we'll just keep reading here. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, and all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came up and, and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they had withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 and 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then skip down to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word... He quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He yields, produces a crop, yielding a hundred and sixty or thirty times what was sown. And you would say, well, Jesus told the parable, then he explained it, so what do we need you for? We're just going to look at a few particular things that maybe make it make a little bit more sense to us. Jesus was using this image to, to teach whoever would hear it, including us today, about the condition of the human heart. If we look more closely at this passage, we see that while the sower, as we said before, is not clearly identified... <clears throat> It most likely represents a faithful teacher of the Word of God. The immediate, I believe, the immediate uh, 
identification would be Jesus, then maybe later referring to the apostles, the disciples, and then today, anyone who is a teacher or someone who is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which could be any of us. Am I okay so far? Good. In the gospel of Luke, verse chapter 8, verse 11, the seed is identified specifically as the Word of God. And then the soil represents the condition of the human heart. So we have a sower, we have seed, and we have soil. The human heart is very much like soil in that it can either receive the seed of the gospel and produce a spiritual harvest, or it can be unprepared and produce nothing for the value of the glory of the name of God. If we, As we go through these verses, I'm going to ask you to do something. I would ask that you honestly examine your own heart to see what kind of soil you are. It may be that the Lord has a word for your life today in these passages. Everybody say, I'll be honest. Okay. Everybody didn't say that. I'm just believing. First of all, let's look at the plan of the sower. The sower in this parable, in the story that Jesus told, is a man who goes out into the field to sow seed with the intention of raising a crop, gleaning a harvest, and he expects to reap reap a profit from the crop that he's sowing. I will tell you that that is the case with God. The Bible tells us that he sent Jesus to die. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said in John 16, verses 7 and 8, that one of the things that the Holy Spirit would do would be to convict people of their sins. But I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, in other translations it says the comforter, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So the Spirit of God comes and it convicts our heart, and he comes, he will convict the world of guilt, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So that's what the Spirit of God does. Kind of breaks up the ground a little bit. All of this so that the Lord can reap a spiritual harvest to the glory of His name. Just as a a, a garden or a farm that somebody has planted brings glory and honor to the farmer, salvation of souls brings glory and honor to God. With that said, even though the plan of God for salvation for all lost is to bring glory to God, we who are saved should remember to never stop praising God for salvation because it's only through grace that we are saved. Even though salvation is all for the glory of God, we still need to give praise. Romans 8, 5 and 8 tells us this, For God demonstrates His own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. None of us are saved because of any great accomplishments that we've done. We are strictly saved by grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Some people might think that when they come to the Lord that they did God a favor. No. Us coming to the Lord eventually is all for His glory, so that He would be glorified. Look at the next verse in Ephesians. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's by faith 
so that we can't say, look what I did. It's only through the grace of God. So that, in this parable of the sower, is the, the plan of the sower is to sow seed and ultimately reap a harvest. With me so far. Next, let's look at the potential of the seed. This is important too. Every seed that was sown, stay with me a little because some of these details are kind of important. Every seed that was sown had the potential to produce much more seed. Look at verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. This is a seed. Produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. It had the potential. Every seed that was out there had the potential. One little seed had the potential to multiply itself over and over and over. A hundred, maybe sixty, maybe only thirty. If you ever planted a garden, then hopefully you've seen this principle happen. I say hopefully. You can plant one bean seed. A little bean seed, about the big as that right there. From that bean seed, you get a plant sometimes this tall. It'll have a gazillion beans on it, sometimes this long. And in each of those pods, there's more seeds. Think of all the seeds. If you took all of those and shucked them, some of y'all have done that before, and shucked them out, you'd see that one seed produced sometimes a bowl full of seeds. Same thing with a squash plant. You plant one little flat squash seed. And you get this big bushy bush and it gets a bunch of squash on it, hopefully this big. You cut it open, it's just full of seeds, sometimes dozens. From that one seed, dozens of seeds. You plant corn. You get this big tall corn plant and it gets ears of corn on it. When you shuck that corn back, what's all that on the cob? It's seeds. If you cut it off of there or let it dry and break it off of there, it looks just like what you planted. That's a whole other message. We won't do that this morning. Now, with all that said, let me have one long truth here, just from my heart. I do not understand the process of planting one onion to grow another onion. Now, if anybody can explain that to me after church, feel free to do that. That one just doesn't follow this principle at all. Some of you are laughing because you know I'm right. My Uncle James came down from Kentucky and said, I've, I brought you a, a bunch of onions. And he had these two big Ziploc bags like this. And they were both full of these little onions. I said, what do you do with them? He said, you push them down in the ground. I said, then what happens? It grows an onion. I said, you already got an onion. Does it grow two or three? Nope, just one. Why don't we just eat that one? It's not biblical. <laughs> in, this, in this parable, each of the single seeds has the potential to reproduce itself many times over. It's the same with the seed of the gospel. When the seed of the gospel is sown into a ready heart, it will germinate and then it has the potential to grow and eventually reproduce itself over and over and over. That's what we as Christians are supposed to do. 
allow ourselves to be used of the Holy Spirit to produce fruit and then to see other seeds planted. That's sharing the gospel. It's worth noting that productive seed always changes the ground in which it's planted. Where once there'd been nothing but just bare earth, all of a sudden there's now it's now yielding a harvest. I remember the first garden I planted. I was so excited when the little tiny plants finally broke the ground. And it looked so different. And then as they grew and got tall, I was just amazed. The soil was not the same. It wasn't just soil that we dumped out of bags in a big box. It was producing something. We should be doing the same thing. When the seed of the gospel finds a lodging place in the heart, a heart that has been plowed by the word of God, tilled by the grace of God, it too will germinate and leave that heart forever changed. And it will also produce a spiritual fruit to the glory of God. This is what the Lord wants from your life and mine. God wants us to produce the fruit in the hearts. He wants to produce fruit in the hearts of the redeemed. And then see that process repeated time and time again. Here's something to point out. When we look at this parable, we see that there was no problem with the sower. The sower was fine. He went out and did his job. There was no problem with the seed. It doesn't say that a bunch of the seed was bad. But the problem was with the soil. Let's look at that. The problem with the soils. As the sower sowed his seed, it fell upon four distinct types of, of soil. And you've got it there on your uh, your little note sheet. Let me throw this in here and, and stay with me, even if you don't agree with me right away. Here it is. Each of the soils were good soil. Say it again. Each of the soils were good soil. But, even though the soil was good, the condition that the soil was in, when the seed landed on it, determined whether or not it would produce anything. There was soil in every situation. Remember, we're talking about comparing soil to human hearts. There were no bad soils in this parable. And just like that, there are no bad hearts. I know the Bible says, before anybody gets all too spiritual on me, the heart is desperately wicked above all things. And I'm not trying to contradict the Word of God. What I am saying is that there is no heart that is so bad that when the seed of the gospel falls on it, that it cannot germinate. And it's certainly not up to us to decide who those people are. We are to go out and sow the seed to everyone. So what will be produced in us when we are the right kind of soil and when the soil is sown with the right kind of seed? Three important things that will be produced when that process happens. First of all, it will produce sanctification. In other words, we become more like Him. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness... And the result is eternal life. So in other words, we become holy. Colossians 1 and 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and it may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. A worthy life that is pleasing to God 
growing in the knowledge of God. We become more like Him. When those things take place, when that seed is planted and it starts to grow, these are the changes that take place. It will always also produce spirituality. In other words, we behave more like Him. Galatians 5.22 lists specific ways that we will behave more like Christ. It says that we will have fruits, things like love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness. It also says we'll have goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we'll behave more like Him. And finally, it will produce souls. We will be burdened like Him. Romans 1.13. Look what Paul wrote. He said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. And this is why he said he was coming. In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Paul realized that in whatever situation he was in, and Paul was in a lot of different situations, whether he was in prison, whether he was working, making tents, whether he was traveling, whether he was preaching, no matter where he was, he never forgot the message of sowing the gospel in, in order to reap a harvest for the kingdom of God. That's why he said he was going there. The Lord in His grace allows the seed of the gospel to fall on the hearts of all descriptions. I'm missing a page out of my notes. Okay, we're back on track now. When we look at this parable... We see that there was no problem with the sower, no problem with the seed. The problem was with the soils. The seeds fall on hearts, and then they are reproduced. Look at John 1.9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light gives light to everyone. And I'm pretty sure that means everyone. What makes the heart unable to receive the seed is the condition that it's in when the gospel comes to it. If we look at the the types of soil in this parable that Jesus talks about, it helps us to understand a little bit more about the human heart and why people respond to the gospel as they do. Let me say right now, one of these soils most likely is going to paint a perfect picture of your heart. See if you can identify what soil you are as we look at these today. And let's look at the different types of soil. First of all, there was the hard soil. Remember I said that the seed always fell on soil. Even this particular place was soil. The problem was, it was on a pathway. And it's where people had walked on it and walked on it and walked on it. And it had been trampled down so much, even though it was soil, it had been trampled down that it was hard as concrete. It was real common back in those days. People didn't have cars. Everybody walked and they had certain paths. And after a while, you've probably seen it too, after enough people 
tromp across the piece of ground, it just turns hard. When the seeds fell on the footpath or on this walkway, it couldn't find its way down into the soil. So it just laid there and the birds came along and they ate the seed. That's what birds do. The hard soil speaks of the person who hears the gospel, but they cannot make the connection between the claims of the gospel and their own life. They either don't get it or they don't want to get it. Maybe they're too steeped in sin and they refuse to believe, or maybe they're calloused and cold toward the things of God and they just refuse to hear. It happens. Maybe they've hardened their heart for so many years against the call of the gospel. And like the path that's been trampled over for year after year after year and decade after decade, their heart has just become hardened. But regardless of the reason, they're hard-hearted and the seed of the gospel cannot penetrate that hard soil. They're not ready. When this happens, just as the birds did in the parable, the devil and all his little minions come along and they snatch away what was put down there. They do this by diverting the person's mind, causing them a lot of times to become even more hardened. It seems sometimes when people just continually push away the gospel and they just say, no, 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 they just continue to get harder-hearted and harder-hearted and harder-hearted. This person has a heart that is not prepared for a work of grace that leads to salvation. There are some people, and it doesn't mean we stop talking to them or witnessing to them or praying for them, but there are some people, it doesn't matter if Jesus Christ himself sat down and talked to them. It's just not going to work. Give it time. Keep praying for them. Keep witnessing to them. Keep living the life in front of them. And that can change. Think about this. We might wonder how some people can continually hear the gospel and turn away from it. It's because their hearts are hardened to the gospel of grace by their own choice. I know the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but I will tell you that Pharaoh made a choice to harden his own heart before God just said, that's it. We choose to do that. At any given time, we can change that. So that's the first soil. The next one is the stony soil. And these places were common in Palestine where Jesus was teaching. Often there was this outcropping of limestone rock that was hard. But over the top of the rock, there was a thin layer of soil. And it looked good. Soil looked like I could plant right there. So you put seed on it. And the seed germinates, because there's soil there, and it quickly springs up and there's a plant. And you go, whoo-hoo. But because there's no depth in the soil, the sun comes along and it beats down on it, and because there's no roots and there's no depth down in there, eventually the plant just withers and dies and it doesn't produce any fruit. In the end, it was no better than the one that fell on the hard path. This kind of soil speaks to the heart that makes an emotional response to the presentation of the gospel. Maybe this person hears the gospel and and it's put in a way that, that they become all emotional and they go, oh yeah, that's what I need. 
And they impulsively and joyfully accept the gospel. But they do it without looking down the road and counting the cost. Maybe they only did it because they came to church with somebody. And they came to church with a friend, and a friend responded to the altar call, responded to the call to accept Christ. And because that friend did it, they said, well, I'll just go do it too. Seemed like the thing to do. But then the novelty wears off, and the excitement wears off, and tough times come, and when that happens, they wither away because they had failed to count the cost of discipleship. Whatever their motive was, the person makes a profession of faith, but it's a shallow one at best. It's not for the right reasons. It's just shallow. And they may even show signs of, of wanting to live for God. And, and at first, maybe it seems like they're really on fire. But when Christianity doesn't turn out the way they thought it would, they quickly fade away and disappear. And far too often, these are the people who make a profession of faith. They go like gangbusters for a while. And they end up right back in the world. I would ask you this, were they saved? I would say, it's not my place to judge, but I would say no. And you say, why? They didn't produce any fruit. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 16, 24, that living for Him will require more than just a shallow, repeat after me and you're saved salvation. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a commitment of the heart. It's a commitment of our life. Yes, we confess it with our mouth, but there has to be something in here that changes too. We've all heard people say things, and the way that they said it, you knew that they really, it didn't come from here. I remember when Jeffrey was little, he'd do something and we'd say, say you're sorry. And sometimes it was a difficult thing to get him to say anything. But eventually he would blurt out, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, he said it with his mouth. But he didn't mean it. He was just repeating after me. And there's people that get saved because all they did was just mouth some words that somebody had told them to do and nothing changed in here. And that's shallow. And it won't last. The next kind of soil was the thorny soil. This soil looks like it's ready to be sown, but underneath that soil, there are seeds and roots of thorns and weeds. When the seed falls there, it quickly springs to life, just like it's supposed to. And it gives every indication that a good harvest is going to follow. However, that same ground soon starts to produce thorns and weeds that were already there. And eventually they choke out these young plants. As a result, the plant withers and it dies without producing any fruit at all. And I will tell you that this is a picture of a heart that tries to have the benefit of the gospel while still clinging to the thorns and weeds of sin. Without a conscious break from the old life of sin, this person does not have a chance of being saved. got real quiet let me say this 
And you might want to write this down in there where it says notes at the bottom. The seed of the gospel cannot survive to produce a fruit in a heart filled with other things. The seed must have the ground or sin must have the ground. But it cannot be shared. Jesus said it was, in this parable, he said it was the cares of the world and the quest for earthly riches that spelled disaster for this kind of soil. There's a lot of folks today that they want to say I'm saved and they want to have a garden, but they don't want to pull the weeds out of it. And I will tell you, if you ever have a successful garden, you won't grow weeds in it. At some point, you have to get rid of the weeds. And if you're trying to live for the Lord, and you haven't pulled the weeds, it won't work either. You have to pull the weeds. This kind of person begins well, but eventually they fade away, because eventually their profession of faith is choked out by sin in the world. Again, I'll ask, were they saved? And I again will say, no. How do we know for sure? Once again, because they never produced any fruit. And then we come to the good one. And this is the soil that Jesus spoke about, and he referred to it as the good soil. Finally, some seed fell on good ground. This was ground that had been, it'd been worked and prepared. It had been plowed and tilled until it was ready to receive the seed. And it says that the seed germinated and it grew. And this seed, in the spiritual application, germinates in our heart. And it begins to grow. And then in the parable with the, the plant that was growing, as it produced, as it grew to maturity, it began to produce fruit and it brought honor to the farmer. I know in my little garden, whenever things are going really good in it, and somebody comes over the house, they look at it, and they go, wow, what a nice garden. Makes you feel good, doesn't it, Sister Jan? You go, yeah, yeah, it's just a little garden we put together. And you've got big tomatoes, and you've got beans, and you've got all this other stuff growing, and you go, yeah, it's a nice garden. And it brings honor. It makes you feel good. Well, when we are planted... When this gospel is planted in our hearts and it springs up and it produces fruit and God looks down, it gives glory to Him. And that's why He does it. This soil is a picture of the heart that has been plowed by the Word of God. It's been tilled and prepared by the grace of God. And when the seed of the gospel hits this heart, It grows and it bears fruit. And I will tell you that this heart and this heart alone pictures the kind of life that can truly call itself saved. Please note that in the end, the difference between these soils was that fruit was produced in the last one. The sower's plan was the same each time. The seed was the same each time. 
And each of the four places that the seed fell had soil. But on the hard soil, it didn't penetrate. It disappeared, removed by fowls. The other three, sure, the seed disappeared in the ground and it looked good. But only in the last one that was prepared, only in the last one that that they were willing to take the weeds out, only in the last one did it produce a harvest. So I'll ask you this question today. What kind of soil are you? Has the gospel message found a lodging place in your heart? Are you bearing fruit for the glory of God? Let's be careful that we don't get too hung up on the quantity of the fruit. Some of the plants in this parable brought forth more than others. It said that there were some brought forth a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. And there will always be those who produce more fruit than others. The key is that they did all produce some fruit. That's the key. We don't ever want to get to the place and say, well, I can't do as much as so-and-so, or I'm not doing, so I must not be doing anything. If you're producing fruit, just keep doing that. I will tell you that in a garden, if you've got plants that are producing, you don't cut them up and pull them out by the roots. Some might produce more than others. You just let them go. God is the same way. Yes, He wants us to produce to our potential. Some will just be different than others. If you are saved, your duty is to abide in Jesus and He will produce fruit in your life as it pleases Him. Look at John 15. Let's read verses 1 through 8. Again, long reading, but stay with me. I am the true vine and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Again, he's saying that every plant bears fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must either remain it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If any man does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Soon branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory. Again, we're right back to that. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's all for the glory of God. It's not so that we can say, I'm saved and look at what I'm doing and look at the fruit I'm bearing and look how many people I've, I've witnessed to and look how many people have come to the Lord because of me. And, and I did this and I did that. It's not about that at all. It's about bearing fruit, but it's about bearing fruit that glorifies God. And when we don't bear fruit, it does not glorify God. In fact, the Bible speaks of of a time when Jesus walked by and saw a a tree that wasn't bearing fruit. When he came back, it wasn't either, and they cut it down. I think I got that right. We have to bear fruit. And if we're not, we need to ask why. Why? 
If I have things in my garden that are, the plants are growing, but there's never any fruit, then I want to know why. And if we are living our life and saying, I'm saved and I'm, 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 I've committed my life to Christ and I'm filled with the Spirit and I've done everything I can, but I'm not producing fruit, then ask why. And it should be our prayer. Lord, I must bear fruit in order to glorify You. If we abide in Him, He will abide in us. That's a promise. And we will bear fruit. Now, while all these soils are are used to speak about matters of salvation... There's another application that we can draw from all this. One thing about parables, you can, you can use them a lot of different ways. Let's look at it a little bit different way this morning. If we're not careful, we who are saved, we who have, we've repented and we've been, we've ba- been baptized and we've received the Holy Spirit, we who claim to be saved can allow ourselves to develop the wrong kind of heart. We can be the wrong kind of soil. We can be hard-hearted towards the things of God. We can be hard-hearted toward His house. We can be hard-hearted towards the Word. And when this happens, we find ourselves being fruitless. And we find ourselves being defeated as a believer. Sometimes we can grow shallow in our commitment to the Lord, our commitment to His work. This too will hinder or completely stop our fruit production. We might allow our lives to be filled with with other things, the wrong kinds of things. Thorns of sin, worldliness will hinder us. And will stop us from producing fruit. Now, I'm not saying that, that if somebody's not producing fruit that they're in sin. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it can. All of these things can happen. All of these things can stop us from being fruitful for the glory of God. So if you're saved today, ask yourself this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. What kind of soil is my heart made of? For just a few minutes, as we're close, I'm going to ask that we be completely honest with ourselves. And I want to ask these following questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Just between you and God. What kind of soil is my heart? Have I become hardened to the things of God? Am I shallow in my commitment to Him and to His work? Am I constantly distracted and burdened and defeated by sin and the cares of this world? And finally, am I bearing the kind of fruit that I should be bearing? I would think it's safe to say that everyone here today knows where they stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you say, well, I don't, 
then I'd say you're probably not where you need to be or you know. But I am asking each of us to be honest with ourselves today and with the Lord about what we need to do today. If you need salvation, if you need Him, there's no other way to salvation but through Jesus Christ. So if you need Him in salvation, if you need Him in repentance, maybe you need Him in rededication, maybe you've lived for the Lord and you just like to say, God, I need to, I need to renew that. I need to pull some weeds. I need to plow up some of that soil. I need to break up some of that ground that's just gotten too hard. The sword hasn't changed. The seed hasn't changed. If we're not bearing fruit, it's the soil. So if you need Him in salvation, you need Him in repentance, you need Him in rededication, if you need Him in anything... This altar is open, and it's open for you. And I would say today as you stand, if the Lord is calling you to salvation, if He is calling you to repentance, if He is calling you to rededication, if He is calling you to renewal, Please come. This altar is open. If there's anyone that would like to come, please do as we bow our heads and pray. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy and for your kindness, Lord. Lord, today we feel that you have spoken to us, and I ask that you would help us to examine our hearts. Lord, to see if there are changes that we need to make in our lives. And if there are, Lord, then I ask you to help us, because so many times we just can't change these things on our own. We need you, Lord. We cannot be saved on our own. There is nothing that we could do. And Lord, I ask today that you would just Touch each person in this place today. Touch our hearts, Lord. Lord, that you would convict us of things that shouldn't be there. Lord, that you would show us the things that we need to get rid of, the weeds that we need to pull up. Lord, I ask that you would point them out to us, Lord, and that we would be willing to let go of them, knowing that we cannot produce fruit and be pleasing to you. Lord, that we cannot be saved unless we do. Lord, I know it's your will for each person to be saved. Help us to examine our hearts and be honest with ourselves today, Lord, as to what we need. If there's someone here who has never stood